You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers, and you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. Today is Opponent Wednesday, the Baltimore Ravens 4-5 and five, coming into Lambeau Field on Sunday. Jeff Zarebek from the Baltimore Sun is here to help break this uncommon opponent down for the Packers. And before we do that, a quick little news blurb. Brett Good, who is the the long snapper to start the season, injuries and and a confluence of events forced him off the team. They had to they put him on IR and then there was an IR settlement. Now they've brought him back. So at least they have someone who is reliable that they've they've been able to rely on in the past for these type of things. The hold on the missed field goal against Chicago was not necessarily the problem. Justin Vogel just dropped the ball. So Brett Good though, does give them some stability at a position that is sort of like a toilet. You only think about it when it doesn't work. When it works fine, it just is, it's taken for granted. It's a modern convenience, a long snapper. But when it doesn't work, it's, uh, it's a big problem. That's a good thing for the Packers moving forward. It helps with special teams. The other little bit that I wanted to open the podcast with, because we have now fully turned our attention to the Baltimore Ravens, and we're going to go into this deeper on, on Thursday and Friday, but because the, there was a tweet on Tuesday from Pro Football Reference, adjusted for era, Joe Flacco is having one of the 10 worst QB seasons of all time. So for the Packers fans complaining about Brett Hundley, it could be worse. He's averaging 5.3 yards per attempt and only 23 times since 1970 has a quarterback averaged fewer than 5.4 yards an attempt on at least 250 attempts. This is an ugly list. Zach Cruz tweeted out this little nugget. It is ugly. I, I tweeted a side-by-side comparison of Brett Hundley and Joe Flacco, and the, the numbers are actually starting startlingly similar. But when one of the quarterbacks is a longtime starter on the books for gobs of money this year, next year, and the following year, and he's playing horribly with a defense that is great, that's a that's a much bigger problem than if you have if you're the backup to Aaron Rodgers. So if your starter is playing like your back, like a like a backup who's never played before, that's a pretty bad thing for your team and a good thing for your opponents. Now that doesn't mean that that the Packers somehow have an advantage. Their quarterback is about as good as Joe Flacco, which is to say not very good, at least right now. We saw some things from Brett Hundley, Alex Patakis, and I talked about it yesterday on Expert Tuesday that, that there are some encouraging signs with Brett Hundley and Certainly, there are, there's a possibility that he can play better. That this was a confidence-building win, a confidence-building fourth quarter for Brett Hundley. We don't know that it will be, but it could be. This is a very, very good Ravens passing defense. 
and who will be part of the rushing offense. We don't know. Ty Montgomery said that that he plans or thinks he can play. Aaron Jones obviously out a couple weeks with the MCL injury. If it's Ty Montgomery and Jamal Williams, that's a formidable back backfield duo. But can this team rely on Ty Montgomery to stay healthy? This is now three rib injuries, a rib injury, another rib injury, and then a re, an aggravation of the rib dating back to the NFC title game. So we're talking about, in less than a span of a year, three rib injuries. And maybe he's just not built to take the punishment every down that a running back is is there to take. That was Bob McGinn's theory earlier in the year, you may remember. This is just, it's carnage if you're a running back. That's why the the average career is so short if you're a running back. That's why guys don't get contracts after they turn 30. Before we get to Jeff, I want to I want to mention the Pro Football Focus Edge giveaway. Put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes. Give it a five-star review. Tell your friends about the podcast. Put us on social, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, if you even can, if that's a thing. But put your name and your Twitter handle in a review, and you can be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. This is a $39.99 value. I use it all the time in my writing. Player grade, snap counts, position ranks. There's all sorts of interesting tools and charts especially with with statistics that are not available or not made public. Things like passer rating against for corners is one of my favorites. So all of that is available to you if you enter. Plus, all of their fantasy content, all of their draft content, that is all there. And all you have to do to enter to win this package is to put your name and your Twitter handle in a review on iTunes. Let's dive right into the Baltimore Ravens with Jeff Zrabic. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff Zrebeck, son, Z-R-E-B-I-E-C, son. And all of his writing at baltimoresun.com slash sports. Jeff, thanks for joining Locked on Packers. Thanks for having me. So the, the Ravens come in uh, four and five, and, and this has been kind of a difficult team to figure out. They, they, they will look really good one week and certainly less, less so the next. The one constant has been the defense. Have you been surprised that the offense has been as ineffective this season as it has been? Yeah, I, I think, you know, right away, right from the start of uh, training camp, you know, the, the day before training camp, uh, Kenneth Dixon, a guy who was supposed to be the starting running back or at least contend for that, went out with a season-ending injury. Joe Flacco reported training camp with a bad back. So, and, and they had questions there to begin with. They didn't do a whole lot to add playmakers beyond uh, Jeremy Macklin signing. Um, they didn't really fortify their offensive line. So that, coupled by the, you know, the early injuries in training camp, they also had their projected starting center retire before their first practice. And you're starting to think, wow, this, this group could struggle a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think anybody expected expected in Baltimore expected to have the extent of the struggles I mean there's been times where it looks like they're playing a different sport than some of these other teams some of these other teams that are moving the ball down the field and putting up points regularly um, you know they've had a good quarter offensively a good half here and there uh, but they just you know they've run the football probably better than most people expected they've been one of the worst rushing teams in the league uh, the last couple of years, but this year, even with a, a banged-up patchwork offensive line and, and sort of uncertainty in the backfield, they've managed to be a top-10 running team, so that's been a positive. But everything about the pass game, uh, intermediate, deep, downfield stuff, screens, protecting the quarterback, 
Flacco's form, Flacco's pocket presence, it's all broken down. I mean, uh, you know, as I said, there's been a couple good quarters here and there, uh, but the extent of their struggles offensively and, and to the point where uh, they, they've easily been one of the worst two or three offensive teams in, in the sport this year, I don't think anyone expected that. Yeah, certainly not. I mean, Joe Flacco, Pro Football Reference, uh, tweeted out a stat that adjusting for era, this has been one of the worst, the 10 worst quarterback seasons ever from Joe Flacco. So obviously uh, not what you're looking for there. You mentioned the running game. Why the why the rotating door at running back? It seems like just when, you know, Javorius Allen will have a nice game and then the next game Alex Collins gets all the carries. What's going on there? Well, I, I think part of it is, is just trying to tailor things to the individual skill set. Um, you know, Alex Collins has been their best all-around running back, but there's still a fear there that he's going to put the ball on the ground in a key spot. He had that history in college. He had it with the Seahawks, and he comes to the Ravens, and he fumbles twice and loses two fumbles in his first two game, two or three games. And I still think they're not completely trusting him to allow him to be that, you know, 25, 30 carry guy a game. Um, and also uh, pass protection is really not his forte. Um, and he, he doesn't have much out of the backfield. He only has a couple catches. So that's more Buck Allen's forte uh, in terms of, you know, being a very good receiving running back. Um, however, Buck Allen's not a very good between the tackles runner. So uh, they don't have that one guy that sort of has a varied skill set. So I think they sort of rely and piece it together with a couple different people. And, you know, Danny Woodhead could be in the mix this Sunday. Uh, so could Terrence West, who started four or five games before going out with the calf injury. Uh, they're pretty healthy. They've finally gotten some guys back, and they'll have some decisions to make at running back this Sunday. Now, you know, the, the, the likelihood is Woodhead will kind of be in that third down role and, and take over a lot of that from – from Buck Allen, but Buck Allen has played well enough uh, to deserve getting some getting some touches. Um, Terrence West sort of may be the forgotten man a little bit because he wasn't playing that well, and, and, and Alex Collins, frankly, has been better. So uh, there's some just there's just been some uncertainty there, and I don't think they know uh, you know themselves how, what's the best way to sort of parse out the carries and the touches. Are we at a point where it's time to just write off Brashad Perriman ever becoming a? a above-average NFL receiver? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'll, I, you know, you get some people in the building will fight that and point to all his injuries. But he's just, you know, at some point you got to flash and not just flash for one play every four or five games. You've got to take over or, you know, play a couple good games. He's just, he, he plays like a player who has no confidence and who the game's too big for him. And, and this is, you know, this is his third year. Granted, he lost his entire first year. He's never had a healthy training camp. Look, the odds were stacked against him to begin with. Their downfield passing game is broken, and he's not all responsible for that. But you, you just like to see, at some point, uh, a guy show you some progress in one area. and He doesn't make contested catches. He's not a refined route runner. He doesn't go up and get the ball as high point. I mean, it's getting to the point where I think there's been, you know, two inter two big interceptions against them should have been big plays that would have been scoring opportunities for Ravens. Instead, bounced off his hands and into the into the gut of a defender who returned it and set up an opposing score. So he's killed them this year, and I don't know how much longer they could still afford 
to, to try to get him going. He's a first round pick, so he's going to get some more chances probably. Um, but he, he, we just haven't seen it. He's a guy that you know will wow you in the forty, but then he gets out on the field and you don't see any playing speed whatsoever because I don't think he has any confidence, and I think he's thinking rather than just playing. Um, you know, great kid. He works hard. That's not an issue. Uh, but it, it's just not – it just hasn't happened for him. Uh, and, and, and it's – I've yet to see anything that indicates it will. Yeah. Switching sides of the ball, the Ravens invested heavily on the defensive side in the draft. Um, they brought in some free agents. And at least for the passing defense, I mean, it's paid enormous dividends. This has been one of the past, best pass defenses in football. And Jimmy Smith, I mean, he's been one of the three or four best corners in football this year. Yeah, I mean, a lot of guys have gone the other way uh, with them. But in terms of Jimmy Smith, you know, we see him, you know, he's got he, he's right out of central casting when you talk about body types and, mm-hmm. and, and all, all the all the stuff you want to see in an outside corner. But yet he's again, spent way too much time on the sideline. And even now he's dealing with an Achilles and he's not playing full games. But, man, he, he's raised his level, and he's playing with a lot of confidence, a lot of physicality, a lot of confidence. Uh, he's made a couple – he's two touchdowns defensively. Uh, you know, he's been probably their best best player uh, on that side of the field. But, you know, they, they go – they have three cornerbacks. You know, Brandon Carr, they signed him because they've never been able to keep cornerbacks healthy. And we all know Brandon Carr is not a shutdown cornerback. He can be vulnerable at times, uh, but he – Posts every Sunday. He holds his own. He's played against a lot of good receivers. And he doesn't get embarrassed usually, uh, but he's been much better than they expected. Not only has he been out there, uh, he's given up some plays. As I said, he's not a shutdown guy, but he's been much better. And and Marlon Humphrey, the rookie, is has been great. I mean, again, they they've been smart with him. They haven't kind of pushed him into the deep end and and said fend for yourself. They've been selective how they use him. Uh, they've tried to get him two or three drives every game uh, in there, but you know he's held his own. Another big physical outside corner was Speed, and you, you saw what Ozzie Newsom is trying to build with that secondary. He also signed Tony Jefferson, who who struggled a little bit and Weddle the year before. Uh, so they they were sick and tired of giving up so many big plays and and giving up late leads in the fourth quarter because they couldn't get a stop. And uh, if you look at the strength of the team, it's been their top three cornerbacks. We'll get back to the interview in just a second, but I want to remind you about Locked on Bucks. If you're a Packers fan and you live in Wisconsin, you should be following what's going on in Milltown. Fear the deer is in full effect. Eric Bledsoe injected some life into this team. He can create. Giannis is having an MVP season, and you need to stay up to date on all of the goings-on with Jason Kidd's team. So you need to be Locked on Bucks, just like you're Locked on Packers. I know that that a lot of fans believe that they can pick players and run a team better than than the guys who are in charge of running their <laughs> team. I know that there's a lot of Packer fans who are upset with the way that Ted Thompson is is running the Packers. What is the sentiment, um, you know, around the Baltimore fans about Ozzie Newsom? Because there's been some some free agent misses, you know, you know, letting key guys go that have played well. Uh, Anquan Bolden comes to mind. I know that was a few years ago, but has the shine wore off at all with with some of the misses like Brashad Perriman in the first round? Uh, and and is there is there an impatient attitude with him at all? 
Yeah, you know, I, I think, first of all, I think more of the impatience is directed at John Harbaugh. I, sure. I, I think Ozzie Newsom, because he's built two Super Bowl winning teams, gets a pass from a lot of people. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they understand his importance to the organization. Um, you know, he's been here from day one. His first two draft picks are going to be Hall of Fame players. So he gets a lot more of a pass than John Harbaugh. I mean, I think a good segment of the Ravens fan base are ready for a new coaching staff. Um, I think some of it's unfair for Harbaugh. I think he's a good coach, and he'd be unemployed for less than 24 hours. But, again, they haven't made the playoffs in three of the last four years. There could be four out of five. They're not playing an aesthetically pleasing brand of football. And their failure to really find an answer offensively and to find a stable play caller is a reflection on Harbaugh. But as for Ozzy, uh, I think there is a segment of the fan base that is turning, that, that, that is ready to see him turn over the decisions to assistant GM Eric DaCosta, who's been with him for a while and has been their heir apparent. Um, I, you know, I think if you evaluate the whole situation, you know, Ozzy deserves a, a significant part of the blame. And I, I think there is an impatience there uh, with some of their draft misses. Look, you have good players, you're going to lose some in free agency. And then the mm-hmm. most part, uh, most of the guys that they've lost have gone on and been disappointments elsewhere. Guys like Torrey Smith and Kyle Juszczyk and Kamar Aiken and Lawrence, you know, uh, they, they've missed every team. Let's go a couple of good players. I don't know that Pernell McPhee with the bears, he's a very good player, but the Ravens knew his injury history and, and that sort of played out in Chicago where they haven't gotten as much bang for their buck. But, uh, you know, but the draft, some of the draft misses in the first couple rounds is inexcusable and, and you can't, you know, when you have some older players and you have the quarterback making a lot of money and you have a guy like Suggs and a couple defensive guys making a lot of the team's salary cap, uh, you can't continually miss on first and second and third round picks. And, and that's sort of become a trend here. And, you know, Ozzy is getting more, more criticism this year than ever before. Uh, and I expect that to continue if something doesn't turn around on the season. Uh, but again, I, I think more of the discontent is, is directed at Harbaugh and the coaching staff. Yeah, I'll get you out of here on this. Um, it's it's early in the week, so you know a prediction. I don't know if that's fair, but what is your feel for how you think this team, with some rest, is going to come out and play this week on the road against a, frankly, a team that that is without its best player, one of the best players in the league. Yeah, you know, I I've you know the Ravens are so nine games they've played, and I've probably picked the wrong. The I've probably five and four picking the winner straight up in their games. I mean, we talked about it earlier that, you know, NFL has been every week, something surprises you, but the Ravens have been particularly enigmatic. I mean, how do you explain beating Oakland in Oakland? Obviously Carr wasn't playing, but they crushed them. I mean, that could have been a, a four touchdown game blowing out Miami 40 to nothing, shutting out Cincinnati and yet, getting owned by Jacksonville and, and, and getting destroyed and getting beat by Mitchell Trubisky who threw eight, you know, who completed eight passes is they're so enigmatic. It's almost impossible to call. I, however, do get the fee- do get the feeling that they know this is sort of their last stand here. They want to make the playoffs. They don't pretty much have to win Sunday. You know, you, you, their way, their schedule, uh, you know, the way it, it, the remaining schedule plays out, 
they have a path to the playoffs. I mean, you can't watch the Dolphins and the Bills and, and some of these other AFC wildcard hopefuls and not think the Ravens have every bit as good as a chance as some of these other teams. However, they have to win Sunday. So mm-hmm. uh, they're refreshed. They've had a ton of injuries every week. They've been traditionally – they're seven scratches. Six, five or six of them every week have been guys who couldn't play anyway. This week it won't be that. This week they're at as full strength as they've been – since early in the summer, and I think you'll see a pretty refreshed, uh, you know, focused team and a team that, that will put its best foot forward here. Whether that's good enough, I don't know. As I said, their offense is pretty broken, and when you can't move the ball down the field consistently, it's going to be tough to win a game on the road regardless of, you know, who's playing for the other team. A must-win game for the Ravens and potentially for the Packers as well if they want to have any hope of – competing for an NFC playoff bid uh, without Aaron Rodgers. Jeff, I appreciate you joining the program. All right. Thanks for having me. I want to thank Jeff again for joining Locked on Packers. A lot of information in there that that sort of had gone one, in one ear and out the other over the course of the season. I had, I had forgotten that Marshall Yonda, who is probably the best guard in football, was hurt and that they had sustained injuries across the offensive line. And this is why we have Opponent Wednesday. Because this is my job to stay up to date on all this stuff. And there's so much to keep track of between covering every little detail of the Packers and then trying to keep everything straight with their opponents. So we're going to go into this roster a little bit deeper. We're going to dig in, look at at the positions where Green Bay could have an advantage and, and where Baltimore might have an advantage and see how this game shakes out. The Ravens are a three-point favorite. I don't know if that's the right number. They're four and five, and as we talked about, this has been a Jekyll and Hyde team all season. So in some ways, it's a good matchup because it's a very good defense against a young quarterback, but the Packers have a very good running game against a mediocre run defense for Baltimore. So we'll see how it plays out. And and can Green Bay's defense play well enough against what is a very bad offense? If, If the Packers' defense can stop the run again, the way that they did against Chicago the way that they did against Detroit. It's going to be a long day for Joe Flacco, and he will throw the ball up for grabs. So Green Bay needs Kevin King to be healthy in this game. He's a big physical guy that can match up with someone like Rashad Perriman or Jeremy Macklin, Mike Wallace. He has the speed to run with them. Devon House, Demarius Randall, these guys can run, and that is that is one thing you have to have against this speedy group of receivers, but they're not explosive down the field. They haven't been because the offensive line is not giving Joe Flacco time to make plays down the field. So it's going to be a mixture of, of strength on weakness in some ways on, on in a number of different facets, and it's going, to come, it's going to come down to coaching. Can Mike McCarthy put Brett Hundley in the positions he needs to, to succeed? Can Dom Capers take advantage of what is a very susceptible offense when it comes to being taken advantage of? We're going to talk about all of that and a lot more the rest of the week. So until tomorrow, stay locked on Packers.